Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So I want to start today off with a riddle. The riddle is, what am I? Okay, and here we go. I can be felt, but I cannot be held. I can travel through darkness without being detected. I can be bent, but not with human hands. I can be blocked, but I cannot be stopped. I can be seen both during the day and night. I am life to all creation. I can be both naturally and artificially made. What am I? If you said a chicken biscuit, you would, you would be so wrong. Of course, I'm talking about light. And that's the subject for today's sermon. I know Eric knew it because I told him. Yeah, yeah. don't give him too much credit, okay? He, he didn't know either. <laughs> Just picking. But it's been interesting that scientists and astronomers have been searching the heavens for centuries, even more so since the invention of the telescopes. Earth-based telescopes, they are limited by nature, depending on visible stars and praying for cloudless nights. But today's most powerful telescopes operate in the darkness of space and are equipped to view images beyond visual light range. So slide one. Slide one, as we see here, this is the Hubble telescope. It is approximately 370 miles above the Earth. And as you notice from the front of that picture, there's a flap that has a big uh, magnifying glass in that. So there's a sizable viewing range for this telescope. Now, what's interesting about the Hubble telescope is that its visual range is from ultraviolet through visible light range. And so pictures coming from the Hubble give us pictures that are not in our normal visual light range. That's why when we see these pictures, we are amazed at, look at all this additional color, okay? So, Let's look at slide two. I put this up here, and I know it's fuzzy and, and all of this, but this is a light spectrum diagram. And from the top, 
we're going from ultraviolet light to the bottom where we have the um, infrared light rays. Now, what I want you to pay attention to is right there in the middle is that thin line that runs across the middle, and that is visible light, light we see. And the light that we see is actually 1% of the light range from ultraviolet to infrared, we see less actually of 1%. So let's look at um, slide number three. Now, I want you to pay attention to this picture because again, we're dealing with light. We see that the light, is, the sunlight is shining on the moon, the spaceman and the uh, craft, the landing craft there on the moon. We see light. But what do we see beyond that? We see nothing but darkness. But the question is, is light there? It is. Light is there, even though we see it as darkness. It's dark because it has nothing to bounce off of. And because the moon has no atmosphere, there's nothing around the moon to uh, detect the light to make it glow even more. So let's look at slide number four. We see a difference. When we look at the Earth, we're not just looking at the surface of the Earth. We are looking at its atmosphere. We're seeing water vapor and everything else. So light is bouncing off the atmosphere. It's also penetrating the atmosphere, bouncing off of water, land, and everything else. So it becomes a very visible and a very different light. Now, this particular picture was taken in July 1969. And I remember when that picture came up. 1969 is a very interesting year because it was the time that television broadcasts were going from black and white to color. And when the Apollo spacecraft went around the moon and shot this picture, this was really the first picture that was in color from this distance so we could really see what the Earth looked like. And when I saw that picture, the first thing that came to my mind was, there is life there. I can see life. There's nothing more different in all the universe than this one little planet. It has light. And let's go on to slide five. Here we have the Webb Telescope. And this is a very interesting telescope in that its range is in the ultra, uh, I'm sorry, the infrared range, infrared range. Now, unlike the Hubble telescope, the viewing spectrum or the lens for this telescope is the size of a grain of sand the size of a grain of sand. 
All those mirrors behind it focus the lights from distant galaxies, bounce off, and actually penetrate a pinhole. And we see the images. Again, light that we cannot see. This telescope brings it to us. So let's take a look at slide six. Just trying to put everything into perspective here. You see where the uh, arrow is pointing in the Milky Way galaxy. Now this is a this 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 is an artist's rendition of what our Milky Way galaxy looks like. But in reality, nobody knows what our Milky Way galaxy looks like. They are guesstimates of what they suspected looking like. And right there, um, where that arrow is pointing is our solar system. All of our planets and all that we know are just there. A speck of sand in the vastness of between 200 and 400 billion stars. We are a grain of sand. Now, just to kind of bring things a little bit more forward, we may recall that in the late 1970s, Voyager 1 and Voyager 2 were launched. It has, and by the way, traveling at approximately 30,000 miles per hour through space. It has taken Voyager 45 years, 45 years to reach the end of that speck of sand. It's amazing, isn't it? It's truly amazing. So, okay, you can drop that. So what are all these devices and all these pictures all about? Well, all these devices, these telescopes, whether land-based or space-based laboratories, are designed to search for the light. They're searching for the light. And that's what this sermon is all about. It's about searching for the light. And I have three points. Point one. Lights created for this world. Lights created for this world. Number two, lights in this world. And point three, pure light. So let's look at slide number seven. Here we're talking about creation, Genesis chapter 1, 14 through 19. We read the following. And then God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs, seasons, days, and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens to give life on earth. And it was so. Then God made two great lights. The greater light for the day and the lesser light for the night. And he made the stars also. I love that line. 
And God sent them, set them in the firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God said that it was good. So this is the evening and the morning were the fourth day. As we review these verses again, it's interesting that God created greater and lesser lights for signs, seasons, for days, and years. We know that our earth rotates on its axis. Of course, this gives us our day cycles. We um, have these other objects also, the sun, the moon, and the stars, and they all play a major role in our life cycles on earth, and each provide a method through which the human race can track time, can track days, months, seasons, and years. No mechanical devices are necessary. So the earth rotates on its axis for days. The moon orbits the earth in 30-day cycles. As the earth's shadow falls upon the face of the moon to greater and lesser degrees, providing us with weeks and months, as we say, from one new moon to another. The earth orbits the sun, and as the earth orbits the sun, it travels through starry constellations. These constellations appear to rise and fall, giving us cycles of months. These seasons, these are called seasonal staging, known also as equinoxes and solaces. These occurrences happen quarterly, and they mark for us our seasons, spring, summer, fall, and winter. It is amazing that in creation, in fact, before man was even created, God provided man a means by which we could track days, months, and seasons merely by observing the transition of lights in the heavens, kind of like the Lord's Rolex. The sun, however, is the most relevant object in our solar system. If the earth were any closer or further away from the sun, life as we know it would not exist. It would not be possible. The sun is the source of light on earth. It is the sun that allows for light, darkness, shadows. Light energy from the sun contributes to all life on earth, no matter how great or how small. The sun brings life. Light is amazing. Light can be present yet hidden in darkness. Light energy can be both seen and felt. Reflect it. It can be bounced. It can be slowed. Light is all these things. But most importantly, light is the source of life. And that brings me to my second point. Light in this world. Let's look at slide eight, please. Thank you. From John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All 
things that were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness comprehends it not. Slide 9. John 1, 6-9. And there was a man that was sent from God. His name was John. This man came to witness Came, uh, came for a witness to bear witness of the light and all th that all through him might believe. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. John says, I am not the light, but I am a witness of the light. You know, Yeshua said in John chapter 9, verse 5, it says, as long as I am in this world, I am the light of the world. Now, this kind of reminds me of Hanukkah. So, slide 10. It is amazing that at Hanukkah, we use one candle to light all the other candles. It's called the Sharmish, or the servant candle. It is the one that sets a little higher or a little lower than all the other candles. It has a specific function, and its function is to set the other candles aflame, set them ablaze so that they too can share his light. The shamash is sharing his light with all the other lights. And I thought, what a wonderful example Hanukkah is to share the light. Slide number 11, please. Yeshua said, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify God the Father in heaven. So what can we say then? Who are the lights of this world? We who are believers. As John stated earlier, earlier we are not the true light, but we are his witnesses. We are his representative on the earth. I didn't mention this earlier, but it's a good place to stick this. We're talking about the stars. Stars have an interesting characteristic. The stars put off or emit a light on their own. They bring their own light. They also 
receive light. Light from the sun reflects off of them and makes their light brighter. They receive and they give. And I would think, isn't that a good example of us? We both receive the light of the Holy Spirit in our life, and we both emit the light into the world, receiving and emitting our lights. So what I would say to this, let your light so shine in the darkness. And this brings me to my final point, pure light. And before I get started in this, I must confess that for a long period of time, I was curious about Genesis 1, 1 and following. And I'll explain why in, in the message. So let's look at slide number 12. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. So it was the evening and the morning of the first day. Now, we've already talked about day four of creation as God created light, what? For the earth. The sun, the moon, the stars were all created for the earth. So my question to you is, what is this light? Is this light the same light that was created on the fourth day? Did God just make a mistake and say, well, wait a minute. Um, I've already created light. Let me create or let me just move this light or something. You know, what's going on here? And I have fought with this for this light, if you will, for a long time. So what do we say here? There's, there's no question that on day four, the lights created for the earth are not the same light that God created on day one. So what is this light? Well, let us search scriptures and see if we can find evidence of this light. And I'm going to give you some examples here. From Exodus 33, 11, we read the following. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And this is important. Exodus 34, 35. And whenever the children of Israel, Israel saw the face of Moses, that, his, that the skin on Moses' face shone then Moses would put a veil over his face until he came again into the presence of God. Something about being face-to-face -face with God made Moses' face shine 
brightly and it scared the Israelites. It scared them. They said, cover your face. We can't stand to look at your face. And so he did. On another occasion in Exodus 40, 35, we read, and Moses was not able to enter into the tabernacles of meeting because of the cloud that rested upon it. And the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Isn't this interesting as well? God spoke to Moses as one that would speak to a friend. And yet on this occasion, not even Moses could stand in the presence of God as the glory of the Lord filled his tabernacle. Wow. Wow is all I can say. In Second Chronicles, we read something similar. This is during the time of Solomon's temple. And they were dedicating the temple. And it says that the priests could not continue their services because of the cloud. For the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Filled the temple of God. There's something about God's glory that causes us I don't know, to actually to withdraw, to look down, to we can't stand, we can't comprehend the brightness of his glory. In Matthew 17, we read, verse 2, and he, Yeshua, was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. Of course, this is the Mount of Transfiguration. Even his clothes, Yeshua's clothes, were transformed to be as bright as light. In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 and 4, we read about Paul, or who was then Saul, as he journeyed on the road to Damascus. Suddenly, a light shone around him from heaven, and he fell to the ground, and he heard the voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The brightness of this light is not of this world. It's God's world. Evidence of this also comes to us in Revelation which I think is probably the most significant of all. In Revelation 21, 10, and 11, we read, And he, John, was carried away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And his angel showed me a great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven of God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone like jasper, clear as crystal. Revelation 21, 22 to 24 says, But I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. 
the city had no need for the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, and the Lamb, it is light. And all the nations of those who are saved, let me say that again, and all the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory and honor unto it. One last reference. Revelation 22.5. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun. For the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. I think in these scriptures there's evidence enough that there is a different light, a light that was created on the first day. It was a light that God removed all forms of darkness from it. It is pure light, absolutely pure light. One day, all of us who are believers in the Messiah, one day, we will witness his glorious illumination as the Lord welcomes us into his kingdom. But until that time comes, so let your light shine. Amen. Amen. Thank you.